0: Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you, no matter where you are, on your journey towards Christ. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, church. Uh, My name is Chuck. It's good to be with you here on this Mother's Day. As Pastor Katie already said, happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. It's good to be with you. I'd like to start today uh, by showing you um, a picture of uh, our youngest child. This is Lena. Yeah, I know. She's beautiful, isn't she? She looks like me. Uh, The problem is uh, that she acts like me sometimes, too. Kind of encapsulates it all. Uh, you know how how that is. You see uh, the best and the worst of yourself in your kids. Uh, it's really quite eye opening, the strengths and the weaknesses um, as you watch your children grow. So Lena is a handful. Um, that's a really nice way of saying she's two and a half. Uh, last week, to maybe give you an example of this, Gabby and I uh, Tuesday night we're preparing to have my small group of guys come over. Um, they come over every Tuesday for Bible study, and so we're finishing up dinner, we're trying to hurry, we're cleaning up the table, the kids are moving out to the living room, we're washing up. You know, six people transitioning uh, from one activity to something else in a small space is always exciting. Uh, and so in the middle of all of this uh, chaos, Lena, it, now out of her restraining harness, our chair, <laughs> makes her way to the other end of the table uh, from where she was sitting. And Emma had just prior to this made a pitcher of blue Gatorade for the boys, uh, now sitting where I had moved it to the, to the edge of the table. Uh, that was mistake number one. So I turned around just in, t- just in time to see this wide mouth pitcher uh, tip over, and in 0.2 seconds, an entire gallon of sugar-rich Gatorade emptied itself onto the kitchen floor, you know, mixing with dog fur and, you know, random marker caps and paper clippings from craft time two hours ago. Um, As you might suspect, there were shrieks uh, from the other children. No one stayed where they were supposed to in that moment, and Gatorade begins to stream under the cabinets where you can't clean. You know what I'm talking about? No problem. We start the inevitable process of cleaning up, uh, taking out a mortgage for more paper towels. I remove Lena, I remove a weeping Lena from the kitchen, I put her over the gate into the living room, and I turn back to continue cleaning. Now, that was mistake number two. So, Gabby and I continue to clean. We put things in order, and over the next few minutes, eventually enough is, enough is taken care of, and I head back to our room uh, to grab my Bible for study group. And as I enter our, our room, there's little Lena. She is curled up, laying on our bed in our blanket, cute as ever, um, and she looks up, up at me and she goes, I tired. And I said, oh, you're tired. What if I just come snuggle you, you know? And so I, I lay down on the bed and I remembered that as I was doing that, um, that she only had underwear on, not a diaper, because she is 90% potty trained. Now, if you're good at math, you'll know that that means she's 10% not potty trained. <laughs> so I looked at her face in my fatherly intuition along with my soaking wet arm, told me that she indeed had just peed on our bed. And so she deftly rolls away from me, scampering out of my reach, out and out of the room. I catch up to her in the hallway. I immediately put her in the bath. I started the, the water to, in order to rinse her off. So then I leave the bathroom and go, to go convey a status report to my wife. Uh, that was mistake number three. So we decide to swap places at this point. Uh, this, this story will come to an end, I promise We decide to swap places at this point. I stay in the kitchen, um, and she goes back to uh, take care of the the bathroom in our room, kind of jumping back and forth. The boys would be at our house any minute. So she goes back, and then 20 seconds later, she's back in um, the the doorway, now holding a brand new, uh, now half-empty bottle of kids' bubble bath. Um, And she says, Lena was happily pouring this down the drain when I arrived in the bathroom. Oh, also, there's pencil drawings up and down the hallway on the walls. All of that transpired in about 12 minutes. (laughs) And I'll remind you that 12 minutes is only 0.8% of the day, and Lena is only 25% of our children. (laughs) It was so ridiculous that thankfully, Gabby and I were able to just laugh at that point. Um, But you know as well as I do, child rearing isn't easy. It's not easy, and it's downright exhausting at times, and although it's rewarding, it costs you something, and it taxes you beyond uh, what you are capable of. That story that I shared didn't even touch handling out-of-control emotions or answering difficult questions, trying to teach them about God, or carrying maybe the hurtful things that your children might say to you. My conversations with many of you over the last, um, really even couple months, and recent prayer requests that have come through, and in talking with our kids director, um, parents are tired, and they're often guilty, feeling as if they aren't doing it right, feeling inadequate as they attempt to form their children, and meet their needs, and grow them into responsible humans. The temptation, is, uh, the temptation to compare ourselves to others is high, and your enemy knows how to lie to you increasing your disappointment in yourself. So the rest of y'all can listen in, because the gospel applies to all of us, but I want to speak to families today and next week as well. Moms, dads, grandpas and grandmas, whether you're single parenting, co-parenting, blended family parenting, grandparenting, aunt or uncle parenting, or just parenting, God has called you to be faithful in your instruction, not perfect in your parenting. God has called you to be faithful in your instruction, not perfect in your parenting. So these next two weeks, through the Scriptures, I want to offer some encouragement to you, some instruction in reminding you, families, of the truth of the gospel, that it informs who you are, and it is the power of God for salvation, for the purposes, the parenting even, that He has called you to. So to that end, we open our Bibles. If you open to Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. That's where we are going to begin, Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a passage that's probably familiar to most of you, and we often read of it on Child Dedication Sunday. Um, It is a a worthwhile reminder of the worthy um, and challenging imperative to disciple our children in the ways of the Lord. So, uh, Deuteronomy 6. Now, our text today, as we're reading this, to give you some context, this is just after Moses... Had given the Israelite people what we know as the Ten Commandments. And so the Israelites, uh, they were called to be set apart, to be different um, than surrounding nations, to be holy and kept unto a holy God, only to Him. So Moses tells them then that following these commands, living in obedience to these decrees of God, will bring blessings and long life, he says. And that these things, and that things will go well for those who hold strongly to what God has said. That's our context today. So starting in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Will you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we ask uh, that you would be glorified today as we engage with your word. Speak to us, edify us, encourage us. By your Spirit today, that we may live out uh, the will of our Father God. In your name, Jesus, we pray this. Amen. So, that scripture that we just read in Deuteronomy uh, is one that Jesus calls attention to later in Mark chapter 12. So, after being asked by a scribe, which commandment is the most important one? The most important one, verse 29, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so indeed, you you have to understand that the Jewish ears that would have been hearing this would have known what Jesus was quoting. They would have known he was quoting from their Old Testament scriptures. And they would have known what followed that commandment as well, that which we read earlier. So these commands were not just to be on their hearts, but also impressed upon their children. So that which Jesus says is most important, he lays out for them, and they would have known what followed Jesus saying what was most important for them. I think the reason for this following imperative of impressing this on their children cannot be overlooked, although often I think it is. So consider with me for a moment, Jesus, in answering the question about what is most important, quotes from the Old Testament, and the very thing that Jesus says is the most important thing you could ever know in practice, is immediately followed by the call to impress and teach that very thing diligently to their children, so that they may also not forget their great God, all that He has done and all that He requires. And so right here, we have not only the very pinnacle of, our, of commands from God, the very crux of our purpose as the people of God, to love Him and to love others, but also what is tied to it, the essential imperative of family discipleship. In order for us as a people, as believers, to carry out the love of Jesus effectively, the children that we are responsible for that will make up future generations will have to know who it is that we serve and why. Let me say it another way. The continual stability of living out the Great Commission is dependent on how effectively we train up our children in the way they should go. The continual stability of living out the Great Commission is dependent on how effectively we train up our children in the way they should go. And I don't believe that I'm overstating that. While logically it just makes sense, passing essential information to carrying out our purpose to those closest to us, the Bible continues to exhort parents in this way. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now watch this, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In Proverbs 31, a, a, another passage is familiar to many of us. King Lemuel's mother is encouraging him to be selective. This is mother-in-law advice, uh, as Chuck Swindoll called it. This is mother-in-law advice. He's encouraging him to be selective as he looks for a wife and a mother for his children. And so then through the revelation of God's Spirit, we are given this list of noble characteristics in in Proverbs 31 that, that women you should be striving for while also knowing that it is only attainable to you in Christ. In verse 26, it says that of a noble wife, of a mother, that she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Faithful instruction. Now the ESV translates that as the teaching of kindness. So what's interesting here is the sentence structure, the way that it that is laid out, it leaves room to understand faithful instruction or or teaching of kindness in a couple different ways. So we know that faithfulness can describe an, an ongoing continuance of something, right? But it also is the idea of, of loyalty, of kindness of obligation, extending goodness to something or someone, being faithful. Think more of our Christian faith, our loyalty towards and our trust in God, right? And so considering both of those ideas of faithfulness and faithful in the original layout of this sentence, faithful is not only the essence of the instruction, she teaches faithfulness, but faithful can also describe the instruction. She faithfully teaches them faithfulness. She is unfailing in her willingness to show up day after day instructing her children in the vital importance of loyalty to our Lord Jesus Christ. So fathers, bring up your children in the instruction of the Lord. Mothers, faithful instruction is to be what you continually speak. So the dual purpose of this verse is, is fascinating to me and and helps, I think, solidify the point I'm trying to make this morning. The instruction that you are to give your children is one of faithfulness. Teaching your children to be faithful to the Lord and to all of His ways. And you are also to be faithful in that instruction. Never giving up speaking the truth of His ways through what you say and how you live. Faithfully teach them faithfulness. Faithful instruction. Now, that instruction, Jesus told us, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God and loving others is is what leading people to follow Jesus looks like. It's how the good news of the gospel goes out into the world, and if you aren't teaching that to your children, how will the world know? How will the world know? The continual stability of living out the Great Commission is dependent on how effectively we train up our children in the way they should go faithful instruction. Now, I hope that I have made uh, my point with some of those things. The mission of God is that we would love Him and that others would love Him because we have loved them. And parents, families, anyone who is discipling children is an integral part of carrying out that mission. I want to pause here long enough to say, again, I'm speaking maybe specifically to parents this morning or grandparents this morning, anyone, but really, again, this this is anyone who's discipling people, anyone who's discipling children. If you are a a coach, a basketball coach, this is for you this morning. If you are an aunt or an uncle, or if you are a, a, a Sunday school teacher, if you have any interaction with a family member's child, this is... The imperative for us today now if that feels like a tall order it is <laughs> there there is pressure we have responsibility because we serve a big god we serve a big god so humor me a quick poll by show of hands this morning how many of you have got or how many of you have or or, or had this parenting thing totally figured out by show of hands Okay, good. No one's a liar in here today. We had a liar in first service. What about discipleship? Does anyone have that totally nailed down? By contrast, how many of you would say that you need or needed to grow in your parenting? Keep your hand up if you recognize that you need to be more intentional in the discipling of your kids. You can put your hands down. Although somewhat obvious, I think the picture of these raised hands is indicative of the fact that we need something greater than us to be faithful instructors of faithfulness. And this honest appraisal of ourselves quickly reveals the secret solution or unfailing strategy for discipling our children doesn't come from within us. And this is the crucial starting place of the gospel, knowing that left to ourselves, we fall short. On our own, we cannot fabricate enough goodness or enough effort or enough resets when we screw up as a parent as we attempt to form God-fearing children. But the good news of the gospel is that we serve and have a Savior who never fails. One who brings enough goodness and enough effort for continual resets, for our good and His glory. So parents, can you just hear me again this morning? God has called you to be faithful in your instruction, not perfect in your parenting. Jesus brings perfection. So, mamas, daddies, who have kids of all ages, can you relax this morning? Just breathe? Find that pressure relief valve, and can we apply some gospel grease to it this morning? To do that, I want to look up 1 Corinthians and read some verses there with you. First Corinthians chapter 1, if you turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, this is verses 23. You know what? I'm going to start at 21. Because I want to. All right, verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. That's the good news of Jesus. Can't do it on our own. Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. There's a lot of self-help out there and signs and doing things all the right way and the wisdom. But notice that while that's held up in the world, the wisdom and the power of God actually comes from Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human wisdom. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. See, Jesus came to meet us in our lowliness, in our weakness, and it is there that His strength is exemplified and His power is put on display, contrary to worldly wisdom it is Christ crucified, the gospel, that brings change. So the gospel has power to inform, to establish and direct every aspect of our lives. You've heard me say that before, and that includes our parenting. So in our weakness, in our lowliness, in our not having our parenting altogether, God's power can be on display through the gospel. How is this possible? Let's look at those verses in the context of parenting. Uh, while, while there are times that I feel decently wise— Or carry some strength through a difficult situation with my kids or my family, there are just as many times that I feel rather foolish, or times when I am weak and can fail miserably. And so, not only is it true that the wisdom and strength times are evidences of God's Spirit, His strength and wisdom, and not my own, so that I boast in Him, not on myself, it is within the lowliness and weakness times. That the goodness of Jesus has the opportunity to shine the brightest, both for me and for my children. For when I repent and ask for forgiveness, I am helping them see that even daddy needs help from the one who has it all together. That's faithful instruction. This is something that you, if I can encourage, this is something you have to get a hold of as a parent, or you will be crushed by the false expectations of your heart and by the attacks of the enemy. You will never do all the things right. You will never say all the things right. Your kids will continually test you. Their behavior may stay abysmal even after you have made changes to your strategy. When that's the case, you admit your weakness and you boast in Him. What that looks like is going to the Lord, remembering your dependence on Him, asking for His strength. And you go to your kids, asking for their forgiveness and revealing your own need for Jesus. Telling them he's helping you learn how to become a better parent. It removes you from being the Savior and Messiah and puts Jesus in his rightful place. The heart of the gospel is that we are not enough, but Jesus is. And so his life and his death and his resurrection make a difference in our parenting. If you want to teach your kids that, reveal to them where that is true in your own life. Be encouraged today that your weakness in parenting is also where God's strength is revealed because it becomes an opportunity that you can share that with your children. Now, this is by no means a ticket to laziness, parents. You have a responsibility, I have a responsibility, a calling. We have to put in effort to learn and to grow, understanding the hearts and minds of our kids to better feed them the truth and introduce them to Jesus. But take heart is what I'm saying to you, because while faithful instruction is a tall order, we serve a big God. We serve a big God. So the remainder of our time uh, today, I want to offer you some handles on this, and we'll get even deeper into some strategy and practical application next week, because those things are important. But we need to start with the gospel. I want to give you two principles this morning that should typify our parenting. We're looking at Romans uh, to help us understand this. Um, Some of this Paul Tripp also covers in his gospel parenting book, if you're interested in checking that out. But these two gospel principles that we're going to walk through... Are lenses and filters through which we faithfully walk out our parenting. This is part of owning the gospel and being faithful instructors. You know, much of this uh, we, we covered actually several months ago in a family discipleship course, but I thought it was important that we revisited this uh, today. Uh, Romans 7 is where we're going to be. So we flip there with me today. We're in a lot of Scripture today, but that's always on purpose. Romans 7. Verses 7 and 8. Helps clue us into our principles this morning. Verse 7 of chapter 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the law, afforded by the commandment, excuse me, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Just two verses here, I think, help us set up our first principle this morning. And that's the law principle. The law principle. Your children need God's law, but you cannot ask the law to do what only grace can accomplish. Okay, so in Romans chapter 7, Paul is talking about the nature of the law. While, while it reveals the law, while the law reveals the good we ought to do, it also reveals the sin of our hearts. In other words, knowing our sinfulness, God in His mercy gives us boundaries through the law, tracks to run on, a clear knowledge of right and wrong that guides our behavior. And it is within those boundaries that we find protection, mainly from the evil that is within each of us, also outside of us. But however, it's because of that given law that our sin becomes revealed. It's that that measuring line at Cedar Point that you can see as you're approaching the, the rides. It's off in the distance, but it becomes personal when a short kid walks up to it and doesn't measure up. The standard literally reveals his actual literal shortcomings. Okay, Paul's example is coveting. I desire and dwell on what a person has rather than what I have been given. And God says, that is not of me. And so the law reveals our sin. It's that big red button that says, don't push. I find myself wanting to push it. It reveals in me a desire to buck the rule and to do what I want. Your kids are born with this. Did you know that? The same way you are. So we need the law to guide us, but the law also reveals that we can't live up to it or fulfill all that it asks. So in other words, while the law is good, it cannot produce in us the righteousness that it reveals we don't have. Only Jesus can do that. Let me translate that to parenting for you. If rules and regulations had the power to change the heart and life of your child, Jesus would never have needed to come. If rules and regulations had the power to change the heart and life of your child, meaning rescuing your child from themselves, giving them a heart of submission and faith, Jesus would have never needed to come. So while your children need to know God's law, what is good and what is evil, what is sin, what is holy and what is right, the the right way to live, walking in contrast to what the world says, there is danger in in, in thinking or asking the law or us implementing the law, to do what only grace can accomplish. I do this without even thinking about it. I subconsciously assume that as I craft and enforce boundaries in my family or with my children based on the teachings of Scripture, the good morality that's reflected in the Bible, that my children will be formed in the right way. How many of you are starting to catch what I'm saying here? But I I put hope in in my enforcement of those things or them following those those rules or, or, or the boundaries that are good and holy that have been created for them. I put hope in those things to change them. Paul Tripp says it this way, many Christian parents have reduced Christian parenting down to being a really faithful lawgiver, arresting officer, prosecutor, judge, and jailer. Their parenting is basically a body of rules followed by threats of punishment. Yes, children need rules and they need faithful correction. But that simply is not enough. If all that your children needed was the knowledge and enforcement of rules, then the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus would not have been necessary. The law does a very good job of exposing your child's sin, but it has no power whatsoever to deliver your child from it. It's convicting to me. I can find myself sitting there, marveling at my children, wondering, I just can't understand why they don't. Then God says, did the law fix you? The law has no ability to give your child a new heart. The law has no ability to create the lasting change in your child that you long for. The law cannot and will not rescue, redeem, or restore your child. But that is exactly what every child needs. So the question for us to consider out of this, one of a few this morning, how much hope have you been putting in the law to change your child? Maybe you don't have a child. This still applies to us. How much hope have you been putting in the law to change you? Back to parents, a further, perhaps more convicting question, is the anger and frustration that is directed towards your children because they are breaking God's law or your law? getting in the way of what you want or inconveniencing you. That one's tough for me. Am I inconvenienced and so my frustration and my anger comes out because of my timing and I feel like I'm not in control anymore? Or is my anger and frustration based out of a brokenness over the fact that they're not following what God has for them? Those are two different things. The law principle. Your children need God's law, but you cannot ask the law to do what only grace can accomplish. That leads us into our second principle, the grace principle. God never calls you to a task without giving you what you need to accomplish it. Remembering that the attitude problems, the disobedience problems, the being nasty to their siblings problems, the just won't quit poking your sister problems... All of those are symptoms of a greater sickness in their hearts. It's the the sin inside them that messes everything up. And the law, just discussed, has no ability to deliver them from that mess. You and your children come into the world in desperate need of God doing something that changes you. Enter His rescuing, forgiving, and transforming grace. Not in your perfect ability to parent your children perfectly. It doesn't exist. As a parent, you are not called to just enforce God's law in the lives of your children, but also to constantly exhibit and teach God's grace to them as well. God calls us to be holy, to follow his good law, but the very law that we're to follow, as we've just discovered, reveals just how much our holiness falls short. So what are we to do? Take heart, because God never calls you to a task without giving you what you need to accomplish it. His grace is sufficient for you. In the moment that you need it as well, God gives you a portion of His grace that will be sufficient for you when you need it. God's grace is undeserved favor and provision shown to us in Christ through His Spirit and extended to others through us. It is God's grace that changed And changes our hearts and forms us into the likeness of Christ. And so, just as God's grace provides us with stamina for the exhausting days, provides us peace when we're at a loss for how to fix our kids, God's grace that holds us firmly when our kids aren't following Jesus, God's grace that gently rebukes us when we are tempted to compare ourselves with others, God's grace that favors us by filling in the gap when we fall short, and God's grace that favors us through showing us His kindness and His mercy. The same way that God's grace does that for us, we are to extend that to our children and put our hope in God's grace, not in our ability to carry out the law in their lives. Romans 2.4 tells us that it's God's kindness and His goodness that leads to repentance. He's patient. That is where change comes from. The law shows us what we should be doing, but it's God's grace that gets us there. The shame should be true in your parenting, the discipleship of your kids. The law doesn't lead to change, but grace will. And on the surface, this may seem like a slight shift from law-based parenting to grace-based parenting, but it has massive implications for your kids. Are you putting hope in the law to change your kids, or are you trusting in the grace of Christ in His timing to form them? All the while, you fill in the gap for them. You fill in the gap. You extend kindness and mercy even when they don't deserve it, as has been done for you. As I wrap up this principle, I want to be clear extending grace doesn't mean letting sin go unchecked. We serve a holy God, and He has wrath against sin. It doesn't mean letting sin go unchecked, but there is a tenderness and compassion that comes from the heart of Christ towards sinners that we must model towards our children and others, by the way. I struggle hard with this when they don't meet my law. I can be short with them. I'm almost appalled, again, that they could be so foolish, completely forgetting my own foolishness that Jesus met with gentleness, laying himself down, dying on a cross in my stead to meet me in my brokenness. Jesus died for me when I hated him. Lord, may I not be inconvenienced by the sin of my children. When they sin, correction is necessary, but how how we correct is important. Do we simply or coldly enforce the rightly deserved consequence, or do we inconvenience ourselves by dropping our impatience, refusing to be put off by their sin? I recommended a book to you several weeks ago, Gentle and Lowly. It's a beautiful book about the heart of Christ. And in that book, Dane Ortland makes the connection to parenting, and the question is asked as parents, what's our job? <laughs> He says, that question could be answered with a hundred valid responses, but at the center, our job is to show our kids that even our best love is a shadow of a greater love, to put a sharper edge on it, to make the tender heart of Christ irresistible and unforgettable. Listen to this now. Our goal is that our kids would leave the house at 18 and be unable to live the rest of their lives believing that their sins and sufferings repel Christ. That's a tall order. But the grace of God not only exemplifies this in our lives, it gives us the power to carry it out in the lives of our children. I want to invite the worship team to come help us close our service today. Again, I don't want this to seem cliche to you, But I just say, you know, trust God. He'll figure it out. That's true. He will. He's called you to be faithful in your instruction. But He is also the one ultimately responsible for the growth and the forming of your children in the ways of the Lord. You be faithful. Parenting and discipleship is no small deal, but it is also not reserved for perfect people. See, the gospel story is one of redemption. Something beautiful, us, our children, the world, is broken and it's marred, separated from that which created it, now in need of restoration. Jesus absolves that brokenness, his death on a cross, forgiveness of sins, restoring creation back to the creator by his power. The gospel, by nature, is redemptive. Biblical parenting, then, becomes an extension of that redemptive work. That verse that was on the screen at the end of that video earlier, you are given children. Psalm 127 says, they are God's children He gives to you. They are beautiful image bearers, but they are broken and marred by sin. They are separated from the God who created them. You who have been saved and redeemed are now instruments chosen by God to shepherd that human soul ambassadors participating in this redemption process as He restores His children back to Himself, training them to lay down their desires to follow Jesus. Think about this for a moment. God had you in mind when He created your kids. God had your kids in mind when He created you. 2 Peter says the Lord, He is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So you then are uniquely positioned to lead your own kids to follow Jesus. Taking part in that gospel story of repentance and redemption. Not being perfect in your parenting, but being faithful in in your instruction. Your willingness to show up day after day, bringing with you your imperfections and your doubts and your problems because it is there that they will get a front row seat to the solution of those imperfections and problems. And it's Jesus. Faithfully instruct faithfulness. Teaching them God's law, extending His grace all the while knowing that heart-shaping, attitude-changing, Life-transforming power doesn't come from our parenting strategy. It comes from God's Spirit. So you be faithful. You charge on. You step up day after day, even when it's hard, even when you're exhausted, knowing that the formation of your children doesn't come from your perfect strategy, but it comes from Jesus and His grace. He will form your children as he sees fit. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for a chance to worship you, to hold up your scripture, to encourage us, and to lead us in the way that we should go. God, remind us today as we close out our time together that remind us who you are firstly and what, who you are, what you have done. God, we'll sing about it, we'll talk about it, we'll preach about it, week after week after week, who you are and what you have done, because it changes who we are and what we do. We keep that in front of us, Christ crucified. Because it's the power of God and the wisdom of God for the salvation of men. You train us in righteousness. So God, help us to know who you are, then what we're to do from that, and then God, by your grace, we need your strength and your kindness to extend strength and kindness and mercy to our own children, to those that would, would be around us. So God, we thank you for this word today. Continue to encourage us in these days, knowing that we're covered by the blood of Jesus, equipped by your spirit to carry out the will of the Father. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.